When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am, I am. That was too perfect. That was fucking perfect. You're getting soft, Wayne. You're getting soft. You know what? Because we usually go live, and I'm used to just being on already. Yeah, you're on already. It was too good. It was too good to be true. Just to go into a good thing I didn't wait to the end of the show and said, oh shit, I forgot to hit record, right? Yeah. Welcome to Rat Salary Review. Today, we're going to be talking about Alice Cooper because it's Halloween season and we're doing our Halloween special and we're talking about welcome to our night. Welcome to my nightmare. It was our yeah, nightmare. Welcome to was, our nightmare. Yeah. And then welcome to my night to my nightmare. And we're also going to talk about the uh, Alice Cooper TV specials and we're going to talk about the Alice Cooper uh, Welcome to My Nightmare concert. So Very cool. joining us on this episode a very special guest of uh, mine and Greg's is Manny. What's up, Manny? What are you doing, gentlemen? Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. I've been actually since I started the show, Manny. Uh, I yeah. wanted you on here. So it's it's cool to have you on finally for something. It's been what three years now, so it's very cool to have you on. Well, I I usually I've never done this before, and usually I say no, and I I agreed. So. It's actually my uh, girlfriend who said, well, I'll just do it, you know, see what it's like. I'll go fine. So you can thank her. Well, Peer pressure for the win. Thank you, Manny's girlfriend. <laughs> very, very, very smart woman. Oh, cool. I'm glad you're here and I hope you like it. No, no, this is cool. I've checked you guys out. So uh, I'm not sure about suck my balls episodes that you guys have. <laughs> Most, but... <laughs> But these Something I like. Talk. That's a South Park show. I mean, come on. Oh, I know, I know, I get it. So. <laughs> it's, it's high quality show. It's high quality entertainment. So uh Wayne and James are in um what was the other gentleman's name? There was That's another guy. Lou. Lou. Lou, are you guys Alice Cooper fans? What what's your status? What's I'm, your fandom like like me? I'm now? a I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan. I'm not All as right. knowledgeable with Alice Cooper as you and Greg are, but uh, you know, I like back backstories and all this shit, but you know, I'm a huge yeah. love his music, love most of the albums, so I'm a pretty right. big fan. Uh, Lou, um, I have an interesting Alice Cooper story. Um, so the first song I ever heard from Alice Cooper, yeah, uh, 10 years old, first time seeing Class of 1984 on television. Oh, so I first one future. I ever heard was Yes, I Am the Future from the Zipper Catches Skin album, mm-hmm. and I love that period of Alice's music. However, 
I also do hold a torch for his classic stuff and some of his later stuff as well. Um, this album, Welcome to My Nightmare, is it, it, it's it's not my favorite. I still, you know, I still hold a torch for Zipper Catch's Skin. I will say it's probably, you know, of the of the popular era of Alice Cooper, it's my favorite one. Well, yeah. actually, that and Billy Dollar Bays. But, um, you know, I, I still hold a torch for Zipper Catch's Skin. So okay. I do love Alice. What about you, James? I enjoy Alice. Um, I'm not as knowledgeable with all of his albums or anything because I didn't know. I didn't realize how many albums this man has right. in his catalog. He has a shit ton. 28 studio um, albums, I found out. Yeah, that's a lot. And uh, so I really just uh, I dived in. Like I know his, I know his like hit his big hit songs, and I right. and, and I enjoy his Zane. I enjoy like kind of like him sounding like the Beatles, but like on a bad acid trip. I've always enjoyed that hit <laughs> that type of music. So like I, I enjoy his when he gets really zany and stuff like that. So I've always kind of enjoyed the uh, people clutching pearls on him, you know, and all that stuff. So I that 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 type of stuff I always dig. So I'm oh, still I'm cool. still a novice, but I enjoy I I do enjoy his music. And uh, where did you guys come in as a fan, uh, Greg? Where did you come in as a fan? Uh, the original band actually. <clears throat> My dad was a, a big fan of that era, so I. Love it to death, killer, schools out, billion dollar babies, muscle of love. Well, so you prefer life. the uh, original band, the band Alice Cooper, not just him solo or him over him solo? Yes, I prefer the original band. My second favorite when he goes solo is actually the early 80s area, era, flush the fashion through Dada, specifically special forces, but um, the cocaine years. Yes, <laughs> and, and crack cocaine apparently. Dude, well, welcome, welcome to my nightmare is is pretty high up there, and yeah, I, really, I would have no problem with someone calling it his best solo album because it really takes the vaudeville and uh, the the cabaret they were really started bringing in strong and on billion dollar babies and brings it full circle here. I mean, they lose a little bit of the rock edge doing it, but I think it worked perfectly. Just a that's good, a good time. And that's a good point you bring up. There's a lot of cabaret and, and a lot of uh, old time show business type. You know, you're right. A excellent point. As a kid, though, I didn't get that. As a kid, that, that was lost on me until I became an adult. But yeah. It, me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it kind of shows Alice's uh, yeah, intelligence and everything that he was able to do different things like he could appeal to as a kid in a different way than he can as an adult. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so and the theatrics and stuff like that. And you could tell like he, you know, he studied up on a lot of the stuff like a theater and everything. Cause I think he was a theater kid growing up if yeah. I remember correctly. So, and then, and then also the gentleman who choreographed and produced uh, the TV special and then the stage show that came from that for the concert is a guy called David Winters who used to, choreograph and design stage shows for like Ann Margaret, Elvis Presley, Fred Astaire, a lot of old stars like that. And yeah. he also directed uh, The Last Horror Film with Joe Spinell and Carolyn Monroe. Sorry, just a useless bit of information right there. No, 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 that's that. cool. Uh, well, on the Billion Dollar Babies, the band Alice Cooper had hired the amazing, what was his name? The Amazing Randy. Now, Pearl said that the face she has drawn should mean something to somebody in our audience. Is there anybody here who can relate to this picture? Please vote if you think you recognize the face. 
Well, ten people say they recognize this face, which is odd since you said, Carl, that only one person should relate to it. Perhaps this drawing is not as specific as you think? Well, thank you very much anyway, Carl and Stephen. What he used to be known for in the 70s is he would, uh, he would go on like Phil Donahue and all this stuff, the amazing Randy, and challenge people to, uh, you know, to uh, prove their uh, theories on magic and all this other crap, and nobody ever proved them. Greg, did I get the name right, the amazing Randy? I, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, do you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know the, exactly who you mean. Yeah. Yeah, he was the guy who used to chop Alice's head off for the Billion Dollars Baby Tour. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, he's got a lot of interesting background. And uh, by the way, I don't mean to dominate. Wayne? No, it's not. Nice. Oh, no, no. This is the, hey, you're, you're, you're our guest, dude. You're good. Good. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what got you into Alice Cooper, Manny? Me? Uh, easy. Um, I'm. Uh, I'm sure it's no surprise the name Manny. It's a Spanish name. My parents didn't listen to rock and roll, but they used to send me to church. And during the satanic panic, they used to have these uh, preachers come in and play records backwards and tell you everyone was satanic. I thought it was wonderful. Anyway. <laughs> in May of 1982, teenagers of a congregation in Topeka, Kansas, destroyed thousands of dollars worth of records and tapes, which they felt contained the message of Satan. The Christian concern sheds light on a more secular aspect of music listening. It's what you don't hear. Certain parts of, of the men's uniforms all accentuate uh, the genitals of a male. Faceless creatures in robes that, to me, would, uh, from my study, certainly symbolize druids, which, of course, go back to uh, Satan worship. In the blood stains, there is very definitely, without any shadow of a doubt here, a face of Satan. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our episode of Trick or Treat. <laughs> I, I need to see that. His name was Billy Mayo, and he had a pamphlet of every anti-rock. I never heard rock music in my life, believe it or not, other than Elvis and occasional Beatles or something, you know. I was like 12. And I saw the name Alice Cooper, and it said, school's out, rebellious song, uh, supposedly he got his name from a witch, blah, blah, blah. I thought that was great. So I go, hey, I don't have any money. Can I have a pamphlet so I can tell my friends about it? Sure. So the next day, I went down the list, and I bought Alice Cooper's greatest hits, ACDC, Highway to Hell, whatever was on that list. And it's changed my life ever since. But um, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What's the best way to get your kids into metal? Tell them it's by the Dark Lord himself. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the satanic panic of the 80s is ridiculous. Um, I, you know, if you live through it, it uh, I, I think Trick or Treat the movie spoofs that, right? I have never seen that, but is that right, guys? Yes, it does. Yep. You, need, you need to watch it. It's on YouTube, and it is actually one of the more entertaining 80s uh, horror oh, thriller movies. movies yeah. yeah, you'll ever see. With it's, Skippy it's from Family Ties. Yeah. what yeah with skippy from family ties he actually and he's had actually a career really he actually had a career outside of family ties <laughs> prior well, to family ties oh then, and then no. after family ties oh, no, he was it to the unemployment line huh? no. well he did that and he did a killer tomatoes family ties started in 82 this trick-or-treat was in 86 okay when he, yeah when he first appears on family ties he's way younger but um I, don't I think he was only actually 
in that one movie before he like retired and became a producer or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So he's a producer. So um, anyone want to talk about the history of Alice Cooper that got us to welcome to my nightmare, Greg? You guys, uh, do you mean all the way from like the straight bizarre years with Zappa up to? <laughs> eh, it's up to you. We don't have to go straight down the yeah, line. I, mean, I don't want to go that uh, far. Well, yeah. one, I, I one, one thing you need to mention, here. Greg, they were all teammates. Well, three of them were teammates on their high school track team. That's true. Yes, that's true. Yeah. true. yeah, yeah, and they uh, they got the bug to perform because they did a talent show where they're miming the Beatles believe it or not and they got they got the bug to perform and even in the early days the band itself it was made up of uh vincent fernay i don't know if neil was neil smith in it already i know glenn glenn boxton was not no no, no it was smith. dennis dunaway oh uh, dennis was and uh alice and i don't know i remember they had another guitar player before glenn and another drummer i know that i it wasn't michael bruce no, Michael Bruce was in it, but it was it wasn't Glenn Boxton. He later joined within right. a couple of years. Yeah. And Neil Smith, I think, was the last original member to join. Yeah, he was the last one uh, yeah. to join. That's correct. But anyway, um what I was gonna say about it, okay. they kind of they had the theatrics from day one. Um Really, a lot of people say that Alice Cooper was influenced by Arthur Brown. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Arthur Brown is. Yeah, Yeah. but I don't totally buy that because Arthur Brown didn't make a big impact in the States, really, outside of one song. I know Alice was a fan, but I'm not sure if that was. When did Fire come out? Like 67, I believe, right? Yeah, 67, 68 at the latest. Yeah. yeah, Alice was directly influenced by like the Yardbirds, the Kinks, the Stones. So they were, he was very, I'm sorry, they, because we need to, again, right. contextualize the fact that Alice Cooper was a band before yes. Vincent Fernier became Alice Cooper. They were right. very influenced by the British invasion. And I, I want to say the Motor City sound, but I could be wrong about that. But I definitely know like Alice. No, you're right. They, they no, were, you're, uh, right. you're right. Okay. They came up because they went to LA. And they were getting nowhere. And um, even though they were signed to Bizarre Records, and then they moved to Detroit. And um, this is where they cut their teeth as a live band. And they played with the MC5, the Stooges, uh, Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels, Ted Nugent's Amboy Dukes. Uh, most of these, a lot of bands that are not forgotten that are almost were the predecessor to punk rock. Now, Alice musically didn't really fit in with those guys uh, at that time. Um, it wasn't until Bob Ezrin got involved and go, well, there's some raw talent here and help him shape those songs. Mm-hmm. I think without Bob Ezrin, I don't think Alice, the man or the band would have become what they become because they wouldn't have been yeah. able to shape yeah, those songs that, that they had the ideas, but they didn't know how to write a song until Bob Ezrin came along. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Bob Ezrin's only maybe a year or two older than Alice or maybe even younger. I don't mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Do we want to mention the chicken story? What chicken nah, story? Go for it. What go chicken story, it. Wayne? I, I, maybe I'll remember it if you tell it, but go ahead. L.A., 1969. Alice Cooper's playing an outdoor, uh, I think it was an all-day music festival. The fans are going crazy. Somebody decides, hey, there's a chicken in the audience. Let's throw it up on the stage. 
Alice catches he catches the chicken and he's like, who the heck brought a chicken to this concert? And he's like, well, a chicken's a bird. They fly. So he threw the chicken in the audience and the audience completely tore the chicken apart. <laughs> the next day, Frank Zappa calls him up and he says, did you just kill a chicken at your concert? And Alice is like, no, I didn't kill the chicken. I threw it into the audience and they killed it. I didn't kill it. And Frank Zappa's like, don't tell him you didn't kill it. <laughs> yeah, don't tell him. You, don't tell anyone that. It's great. Were <laughs> his exact words. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, his exact words when he signed them were, I don't get you, but I have to sign you. Where are you from? Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. I don't get it, but I still have to sign you. <laughs> well, yeah. if you listen to if you listen to Pretties for You, I now kind of like the album, but at the time when I was a kid, I hated it. Right. And it's basically it, it's it's it says produced by Alice Cooper, but I doubt those guys could have produced a fart. I just think Zappa just didn't want any credit to say, you know, just to let them throw their name on there. But you know, there's no real song structure. It goes all over the place. Easy action is a little bit better because there's, you know, there, but again, the band hadn't found their sound yet. Um, there's songs on there like Mr. 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 and Mr. Mr. Meaner that really have no real relation to what the band or him as a solo artist would later become. Um, but there's a few hints in there, Beautiful Flyway and things like that. But it does show their talent as a band. Uh, for the first oh, yeah. time, yeah, in my opinion, it, definitely they just needed direction. Um, but uh, pretties for you, Frank didn't really help him write the songs or anything, he just produced it for him and pretty much did everything as far as putting the album together. The album cover, as strange as it is, it was actually a painting hanging in Frank's living room at the time. Yeah, there's actually a picture. It was in a in a magazine where it, that same picture is hanging over the. It was at Frank Zappa's parents. It's over the fireplace or uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I was shocked when I saw that. Um, anyway, uh, the band Alice Cooper had led the way to uh, theatrics that really, at that point, didn't really exist outside of Arthur Brown and. Uh, there was kind of a scene with T-Rex and Slade, but that was more glam. And Alice kind of predated that sort of. Um, but then we get to the solo. Yeah, what were you going to say? I apologize. Uh, Alice always kind of stood apart for, for me, too, from all of that, because um, <clears throat> very, very different uh, to the Alice Cooper band's theatrics. Um they got most of their influences that way from vaudeville. And I think it comes through in the way it was designed and the uh, different way they would approach stuff, especially during the original band days when it was a little bit more violent and Alice really played the villain more right. and would the audience and do a lot of back and forth, which it was, it was a stage show, but it wasn't really psychedelic. No, you're right. You're right. It, it was not, it was not, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you guys think of his influence as, a, as an artist? Do you think he had an impact on bands like Kiss and things that followed in anyone's opinion? I actually, I wanted to make the saying that Alice Cooper walked or crawled where Marilyn Manson walked, where bands like Ghost and everything just ran with, with the whole idea of theatrics and macabre and 
doing the quote unquote Satan, you know, the satanic panic stuff and really playing up to the theatrics of a stage show. Cause I mean, prior to that, who had a really elaborate stage show. And then after he ever, you know, you guys got bands like green jelly and Glar and all those guys out there doing, yeah. doing crazy shit, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure eventually somebody would have done something, but he, he, it, it, he, he and was his the band were the first. Yeah. I would say yeah. Alice Cooper uh-huh. is the blueprint for everything that came after it from kiss to i'll even go so far as to say ozzy i mean black sabbath did not do elaborate stage productions they just got on stage plugged in and that was it you know right uh diary of a madman tour the castle i mean come on you can't tell me that that wasn't influenced by anything alice did and randy rhodes i think is actually on the record as saying that uh, Michael Bruce and Glenn Buxton were more of an influence on him than Sabbath were. So that's true. He wasn't a, a Black Sabbath fan. Um, matter of fact, there was an article in Guitar World where, uh, not Guitar World, Guitar for Practicing Musician, it doesn't exist anymore, where Randy and his brother's first concert was Alice Cooper at Los Angeles Forum in 1972. So, oh, cool. yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out Randy Rose influences Glenn Box and Leslie West, which is amazing because I don't hear any one of their styles in anything Randy Rhodes did. Right. But there you have it. Well, we could do a whole episode on Randy Rhodes, and uh, <laughs> and even though I don't think much of the organization, congratulations to Randy Rhodes for getting inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Even though, again, that's my opinion on it, but good for Randy. Well, I mean, he, well, Alice Cooper took what. 25 years after he I did, lost him, and, <laughs> yeah. him and they were eligible so it just they, they have a snobbery to anything they perceive to even smell of heavy metal let alone actually be heavy metal oh. um, like you like you guys mentioned you know between like kiss you know being a huge influence and then you got uh, definitely king diamond you know and no uh, doubt. yeah and, and even like uh, Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie you know, they're all influenced by Alice Cooper. So he did make a huge, huge impact. Zombie does admit his influence, though. But, yeah. uh, you know, there was yeah. one incident in 1998 where on the Psycho Circus album, there's a song called Dreaming. Mm. Oh, it is they... I'm 18. Yeah, it's the exact same yeah. riff. Yeah, Paul oh. family of Kiff. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're forgetting the other's absolute love of all things Kiss. Everything up until 2001. Well, that was you, you draw the line. You draw the line. Uh, That's the over the line. That's I have standards, sir. But, so uh, why don't um why don't we just talk about Welcome to My Nightmares? So oh um it, anyway yeah so the, the big reason I I picked this album and this era uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. You, you had the original run of albums and you had Muscle of Love, which right. is the last album from the original band where they hated each other. They just wanted to be done with it. It was real lackluster. But Alice really wanted to go forward with that sense of, again, the cabaret, which is what him and Ezra referred to it as, too, that they brought in a little bit and used on Billion Dollar Babies and had a lot of fun with them, wanted to take it to the next level. So this really grew out of the frustrations and what they did with the billion dollar babies album where um yeah it was glenn buxton had pancreatitis from drinking heavily at the time 
So um, Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner actually play several guitar solos on that record. And, and so that's why Alice brought him in to solo band. Yeah, he brought him in yeah. to his solo band. Every, everyone says, oh, he stole him from Lou Reed, but that's not really what happened. They already had a pre-existing relationship. What they were contracted for with Lou Reed ended, so they went back to Bob and Alice and formed the core of the Welcome to My Nightmare band and started writing the record. Some of the riffs and things were actually leftover ideas from what they did with Billion Dollar Babies. And then there's even a couple songs that are from members, older bands, or things Ezra was involved in producing, which I didn't write down, so I can't remember the names of right now, but I know Wayne looked it up. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I remember. (laughs) Dick Wagner was a big go-to guy for... uh, Bob Ezrin. I mean, you know, he did a lot of ghost playing on uh, some Kiss records and uh, rest in peace to Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter. I mean, he's been such a great sideman for so many. I mean, he he was even uh, Glenn's fill in for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance and was touring with Alice up until fairly recently, 2011. And this is when Orianthi was still in the band, who, by the way, is a kick ass guitar. So, well, the fact that Lou Reed. Uh, who I'm a huge fan on would allow Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner to do any arrangements is pretty amazing considering Lou Reed usually gave no, his band members had no say whatsoever on anything. So that speaks pretty highly of those two guys. Does know? that include his period with the Velvet Underground as well? Cause I'm not too familiar. No, with no, it. no. It's, it's only including the, uh, Lou Reed uh, recorded a live album um, called Rock and Roll Animal that has a uh, um, nothing but Velvet Underground songs, but they rocked them up a bit. And he basically left it up to Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner to figure out the arrangements. Um, this is right after David Bowie had produced a Transformer album that gave him the big hit Walk on the Wild Side. Um, and then, you know, he didn't really have a band, so... Um, use these guys that Bob Ezrin had worked with before and that's how Lou Reed because like uh, Greg said Bob Ezrin used those guys also on Peter Gabriel's uh, first solo album uh, yeah a couple other things that he used them on that again I can't remember but like you guys said uh, Wagner and Hunter were Ezrin's go-to guys and actually they played on Lou Reed's Berlin also which I forget they did Yep, that's the album and tour I was talking about, actually. Berlin and then Rock and Roll Animal. Yeah. Yeah. So, very cool. Um, and then after that, Lou Reed never gave anyone a say ever again. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yep. let's get into the And then he did Lulu. Oh, and, <laughs> you know, also. Uh, I'm not do- ever doing that. <laughs> not, not Lou, that it's was- not my fault this time. I just want to reiterate that it's not my fault. Let Greg talk. talk What? What happened? I have no idea. The the constant interruptions. It wasn't my fault this time. No, it was Uh, was my fault. I interrupted. I said, and then he did Lulu. So I'm sorry, Greg. Well, I I could talk for an hour about what I really don't like about Lou Reed, but (laughs) I'm not getting into that right now because I do like the period we're talking about. So anyway, um, another thing I really thought was interesting about this is how they 
tone down Alice's image a, a little bit with the violence. And I do love what they did, even though some of it looks cheesy now because yeah. 70s production values. But you can clearly tell that, uh, you know, they designed this to be huge and it was aimed at kids and stuff. I mean, this is when he really exploded. Mm. Yeah. See, now you, you say well, that, but then, well, then he's got that song called Ethel. And it's basically about him, you know, doing stuff with a dead body. I'm talking Bang about being in a dead corpse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah that, let's just say that. The record. I, I yeah, well, people in about. the 70s were, were not so, didn't get upset so easily. Uh, probably because they were all coked out, but they didn't get so upset so easily. <laughs> I mean, about, you know, was, it, was it Jeffrey Dahmer? Wasn't that just, you know, down you know, too soon? Well, no, that's in the 80s or 90s. I don't know. Uh, who knows? He probably yeah, was a new that, kids that, on the block fan anyway. Probably or Menudo, maybe. Yeah. Whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Was... we can't talk about Menudo like that. That's that, that's that's Spanish loyalty right there. Come on. Okay. Hey, well, not for nothing, Cole. That's a catchy song, and but, uh, oh, some cool. of the best songs are written about necrophilia, including TSOL's Code Blue. Yep, and I love the dead. But we, one thing I was going to point out, though, is you know, in the TV special when they do that song, which was aired on TV more for children, whereas. Mm the concert film was released in theaters to adults where, you know, he's smacking around the, the right. mannequin like a dead corpse and stuff. But in the TV special, I mean, granted, she does come popping out of a freezer in the refrigerator heaven, which probably involved a lot of booze and cocaine in the design, but I thought it looked awesome. But she's a, a dancer in that. It's a, it's a little bit softer of an approach with it. I mean, it's, She's a, lot a burlesque of dancer that's dead and frozen. What, what do you want out of <laughs> nothing you would Nothing you wouldn't see, really. I mean, it could have been an Anne Margaret show that was just Halloween themed. It's not like he's getting his head chopped off with a guillotine. You know, it is a step backwards. It's just people weren't as sensitive in the 70s. You could show them something cool. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that you, and I believe, I don't know if Wayne said it, but I do believe you guys have a point. Alice is deliberately moving away from the more, um, uh, you know, more violent image. Mm-hmm. It was trying to go into more mainstream, um, which will be reflected on albums like Lace and Whiskey and From the Inside. Yeah. At least musically, lyrically, he didn't really change that much. Um, but musically, yeah. well, I mean, Lace and Whiskey is a little more personal. I agree. And yeah. yeah. And even I never cry from Alice Cooper goes to hell is a little more personal. True, but he, but he, I agree with you that he was trying to move away um, from the well at the time consider hard rock ghetto. Nowadays it would have been a gold mine, but at the time, you know, and trying to move into a mainstream and showing up on Tonight Show, and he would be showing up on uh, Hollywood Muppet Squares. Show. Yeah, Muppet Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't yeah. add the Muppet Show in that because he was in yeah. the Muppet Show. Yeah, so he was definitely trying to be more mainstream. And I think after Alice Cooper goes to hell, I think it cost him record sales. It didn't cost him in in a concert attendance, but it cost him in record sales. And I think it took him until the 80s to kind of win back that hard rock metal audience, at least in my opinion. I don't know what you guys think, but that's my I agree with that statement. It wasn't until I think Constrictor when people were like, oh, Alice is back. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, because yeah. actually, when you watch that uh, that live show, at the end of it, they're interviewing a lot of people from the audience, and they're all saying like that's their favorite pop star. I'm like, pop star? That's kind of weird. 
you know, well, well, keep, keep in mind time, popular metal, music, right? Right. Yeah. But, yeah. And I mean, you know, he really would. They do 7 Eleven when they did the Slurpee Cups back then that year. Actually, he was the only rock singer featured on a cup. Really? I mean, really? he was considered a pop star. He was right on there with Tina Turner. And I, I don't know who else. I, oh, I just what have a, what a combination. <laughs> Alice Cooper and Leif Tina Garrett, Turner. Who had know. better legs? That's so weird. Well, uh, Tina, of course. Tina, I hope. <laughs> well, I don't want to look at know. Alice's legs. Uh, you, James, what are you looking know, at, buddy? Yo, hey, you know what? That special block. was a little homoerotic for me. So, you know. <laughs> it was but, the 70s, guys. All right. It was. It was like oh, oh, oh you cannot be pulling the Greg, the, the Greg <laughs> excuses here, okay? Just because it was 1975, you know, and a few years later, there's a Star Wars special with Wookiee porn. Doesn't mean <laughs> anything. said we never discussed <laughs> the Wookiee porn. The we are going people. to discuss the Wookiee, Wookiee porn, damn it. Come on now. Oh, it, it was yeah. a different time. Cocaine was rampant. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a okay, drug. So... Actually, my uh, one of my college courses was uh, Holocaust represent- representation in the arts, and we had to watch uh, Wonder Woman and Salt 76, which was the special Holocaust episode of Wonder Woman, and <laughs> where they revived dead Hitler. Oh, <laughs> and, like, reincarnated oh, wow. him. Oh, wow. <laughs> and had Linda Carter fly. beat the shit out of him in, in her bikini. It was the worry, weirdest fuck. So I can I can attest that the seventies was a little different, but my god, what? Look, I would watch Linda Carter do anything in a bikini in the show. Okay, it's in my that's just me. Yeah, but resurrecting no, that was actually, Hitler that was though, actually, I'm gonna need the like ten four locos. My paper was a, was more about that that how Wonder Woman was trying to get Linda Carter in as little clothing as possible for network Absolutely. TV. I'm too funny. Hey, you don't complain. Oh, I wasn't complaining. I said it was a good thing. All right. Uh, so I really did not get fully into Alice Cooper until like maybe 97-ish. And this was the first album that I got because, you know, this is the one that always everyone uh, always talked about. So I said, I'm, if I'm going to get anything, I'm getting Welcome to My Nightmare. And um, just just hearing it for the first time, I loved it. I mean, it was weird because, you know, at that time, I wasn't really into like the orchestral stuff with the, with like rock music and type things, and like "Welcome to My Nightmare" with all the horns and uh, and stuff like that. It was kind of you know, it, it didn't really catch on to me for a while. Did but, it make uh, your skin crawl? No, it didn't really. It didn't really creep me out too much. But the rest of the album, like it, it rocks, like "Devil's yeah. Food," that's awesome, and "Black Widow," which uh, Rat Salad Review and Friends recorded. We did a killer <laughs> cover of that. We did yep. do a very good cover. Uh, so anybody go check that out somewhere. Uh, YouTube. I was, I was enjoying the better. album because it was it was like the Beatles, but having a bad acid trip. It was like kind of like a Scooby Doo spooky Beatles episode almost. Right. Sometimes <laughs> some of the songs. I mean, you, you can't tell me that that wasn't what was going on some of the times there. It just it sounded like you know like they were in a haunted house and here's here's Alice Cooper showing up. Wait, man, are you calling "Welcome to My Nightmare" Scooby Doo on LSD? Because that's a pretty accurate statement. <laughs> it, it sounds pretty. Actually, cool. uh, I think Alice would approve of that. Actually, yeah. good, like good, it. good, good. I think he would think that was great. Yeah. But that, that's um, one of my favorite songs. That's "Welcome to My Nightmare." And, no, uh, same here. Yeah, but uh, some folks is cool. It's got that cabaret type feel. Love to that. Song. 
Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, Favorite part of the special that synchronized skeleton dance. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. get on that later. Oh god. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then only women bleed. A friend of mine, he always used to rave about that song, like how good it was. And yeah, that's just an awesome song. I, I, I enjoyed it. I think it's funny because it's like right during yeah. that whole time of the women's liberation movement. Yeah. You know, is going on. That's probably like and one of the first songs you know talking about that. So, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, ironically, the feminists at the time said that it was an anti woman song meanwhile if you listen to what the lyrics is about it's about how women get mistreated by some of their boyfriends it's, it's about abusive because... relationships <laughs> i don't know yeah how. so it's like you know alice is pleading support for them but instead they're just like you know ah alice cooper's misogynist give me a break yeah <laughs> but the, every every hard rock band of that time if you read rolling stone review on black sabbath led zeppelin aerosmith kiss name them name them they're all horrible they're all they're the worst piece of shit their music is garbage then you look at now rolling stone magazine 50 years later suddenly the very people they damn they praise but that wasn't unusual and a matter of fact there's still a snobbery toward it which one of you alluded to about the rock and roll hall of fame you know about that music that was me because i can't stand them we've apologized for the rock and roll hall of fame on numerous occasions (laughs) (laughs) no apologizing for them um <laughs> department of youth brings back like the the old school type alice cooper band type feel to it so yeah that's a, that's a pretty good song called i think Ethel, he actually called that, that like a school's out part two yeah yeah I, I got a lot of school's out vibes when when i heard that song i was like oh it's another school's out song <laughs> yeah he yeah. probably was going for that vibe i mean he's got the kids singing and all of that so yeah yeah, yeah i can definitely. see that yeah i can see that yeah. cold ethel we talked about it's another really good one um years ago I really, I play this at work today. I play this all the time. I, I play this album so many times, but nobody seems to remember that I play it. I don't know why, because I, I love this album. Are but you I like guess, the foreman at your job? Is that why you're allowed to do that? <laughs> no, I, we can do anything at my job. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, just as long as you're doing your job and getting it done, nobody cares. But uh, I so mean, I, play- I mean, I was the I was the a hole blasting Nile when we were working on the flight line. So <laughs> good idea. Uh, <laughs> I, I played this again awesome. today. And so many comments. Are you listening to like the Muppets over there? Or what the hell are you listening to? I'm like, no, Alice Cooper. <laughs> the Muppets. And, and if it and wasn't a Muppets, what's your was, point? I, 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 yeah, I, differences. Right. Hey, but, you know, he, Jim Jim Henson in the 70s was the shit, man. Holy right, crap. I know. But like, I, I understand man. with hearing like the the, the organ and, and then the we, Alice making the weird voices and stuff like that. But I love it. I, I love that kind of stuff. You know, it's very theatrical. And then yeah. getting into Stephen and everything. I mean, just the way he tells that story, and you know his mother's calling him and everything. Just it's awesome. And um, the awakenings, okay, and escape. Uh, we even talked about that earlier in the message, in the messenger yeah. group or whatever. That was actually not even an Alice Cooper song. It was from another band. What was the other? What was the band's name, Greg? Was it a, ro- a ro- the Hollywood? Hollywood star, Hollywood star. Oh, that was written by Kim Foley. That's why. Yeah, Kim yeah. Foley co-wrote that, and then. And then Alice, you know, put his own spin on it. But it's originally written by Kim Foley. And, of course, Kim Foley later became known for managing the Runaways, if you can call that managing. But, yeah. That's, uh, uh, there was managing in that situation? Yeah. Oh, what a mess. Managing to ruin their lives. Oh. That's another man. story. Yeah. No. Nowadays, he'd be in jail. Let's just be honest. You know, if that was going on. Oh, Definitely. Uh, my... My, you know, it's funny. I, I'm 51. So when I first heard the album, I was 13, 14. 
I didn't have a lot of uh, to compare it to anything else musically outside of ACDC Kiss, you know, what was I was listening to. So the first time I heard it, it kind of threw me off because it didn't even sound like what I other Alice Cooper. I didn't realize Alice Cooper was a band either. So keep that in mind. I used to wonder why. Why are these other guys faces on here? This, mm. you know, but anyway. And um, so it took me a long time to when I say a long time, maybe a year, that's not that long, but it took me a while to really absorb it and understand it. I didn't really have a, a, a place musically that I could relate to compared to everything else that I was listening to, if that makes sense. So it took me a while. I didn't get the, thea the uh, theatrics is going for the cabaret or any of that. That was lost on me at that age, right. you know, right. so um you, you had, know, to, you had to give that a couple of years before you uh, appreciated the cabaret. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you're you're right, and you know, you, I expanded my musical taste. That you know, I even I have Barbra Streisand next to Slayer. But as a kid, I wouldn't have you know, fuck that, you know, <laughs> anything like that. I would I would kill to have a a Slayer Barbra Streisand metal <laughs> matchup. That'd be hilarious. Yep, you don't bring me flowers. Next up after that is Rain and Blood. Good stuff. <laughs> That'd probably be more frightening than Welcome to My Nightmare, actually. But Yentle awaits. <laughs> Yentle awaits. Well, the, the other thing that I... Uh, Told you, that's frightening. That's frightening. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention on this album, too, is Alice did yeah. a lot of uh, different we vocals. We keep cutting Greg off. He, he did, but before I forget again, I'm trying to say this twice now. Um... Only Women Bleed was the other song that was brought in yes. from another band. Dick Wagner originally wrote that for his um, older band, The Frost. Right. And Atlas took it, retitled it, and completely rewrote the lyrics. And they updated the arrangement a little bit. Yeah, but that song dates to the late, the late 60s, I think that song dates to, right? 68, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've got the Frost album, and it's not bad, but now that song's not on there but i you know like you said it was an idea but again when you listen to these guys individually outside of alice cooper you can see what alice the man brought to the table and wayne you're about to say something uh i noticed alice did a lot of different uh things with his voice on his album like in Wel welcome to my nightmare he almost sounded like uh, jim morrison from the doors he had that like deep voice i don't know yeah, if you like a little bit. yeah 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 i agree yeah I I think at around that time he took a little voice training too, um, probably at the origin of Bob Ezrin. But yeah, he, you're right. I've never heard him sound that diverse ever again either. Right. Um, in any album, even Lace and Whiskey or anything like that, he never sounded that diverse. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even try to sing like that. And nowadays, he just sings in that more scratchy, yeah, that, yeah, that great you know, voice. Yeah. yeah, doesn't even try anymore. No. Yeah, I agree with you. A great point great point on that um james yes what, what do you think about welcome to my nightmare is this your first time you I, actually heard the whole album this was this was actually i will admit uh -huh. it this, this was the first time i ever listened to it i came in fresh i uh -huh. like i said okay so the only, the only time i remember alice cooper prior was when i grew up was watching it on wayne's world so the first time okay so <laughs> I, that, don't that, hey you know what That's i'm, I'm, I'm the, the young hey. group it, this is it's okay um, however you got into him you got into him you got into him exactly um that's algonquin for the good land is always more um <laughs> but um <laughs> it, it 
it had a level of sophistication that I think I really liked. I liked the flow of his album. I like how everything, even though the songs are different and have different topics, flow into one another a little bit. They have a they have a little bit of a flow and they have a little bit of a rhyme and reason. So you know you wouldn't put something like "Escape" at the beginning of the song, beginning of the album. You would put that at the end. You know, it, I saw what he was doing, and I actually I appreciated that a lot more. Sound, I thought it was you know like I've said LSD with you know it's, it's Beatles on a bad Scooby Doo LSD trip, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I enjoyed it. It made me actually want to listen to more. I actually started li- listening to Lace and Whiskey this morning as I was driving to work because of it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's the next one I would suggest you listen to. But well, you know, I, since, uh... since it had such glowing reviews from you, gentlemen, I decided <laughs> I wanted to see how bad this rabbit hole went. Yeah. Well, I used to hate it. Um, it's still my least favorite, but I'm with Wayne. I would not. I would. That would be the last one I recommend. And um, yeah, definitely. I wanted to see how bad it went before it got good, okay? <laughs> well, it starts out strong, but then you get these songs. Uh, I never wrote these words that sound like he was writing it for Barry Manilow and not Alice Cooper or whatever that song is. I never wrote the song. And mm. yeah, again, yeah. I think he was he was trying to dig personally deep into whatever was going on in his life and trying to leave the persona of Alice Cooper behind and be Alice the man. But maybe I'm reading too much into that too. Uh, Lou, what did you think about Welcome to My Nightmare? And it, was this your first time? I think it was, right? Your first time hearing this album. No, it wasn't my first time listening okay. to Welcome. It was my first time listening to Welcome 2, which we'll get oh, okay. to later. Oh, yeah. um, we'll get to that later. Not, yeah. Manny, can you come back or what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I can definitely come back. I'm waiting for my kids to text me to. Oh, I got to. Yeah. So that's why you know I'll yeah, wait yeah. till they text. Yeah, yeah right. I was I was I was like going. I'm like it's eight fifty five. You're good. Yeah, it's I don't getting kind of late. Leave. I want I to wanna... come back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love this album. Uh, everything about it, from the arrangements to the performances to the production. I know that you know, Greg. We've had uh, discussions on what we think of Vesman's production, and granted, I will admit he was probably coked out of his head for some of the arrangements and ideas he put on this album but in my opinion it worked perfectly and um probably my favorite Ezrin production well that and the wall i'll say that too um not a bad song on it it flows perfectly and you know i would say if you want to get into alice cooper again my personal favorite is billion dollar babies but i would say in terms of generally speaking i would tell people to get into this one you know and use their own judgment from there if you want to backtrack listen to his previous discography or anything afterwards yeah there's a lot of everything on this album i think for anybody so what we saying manny uh do you think this album would have worked as a as a band alice cooper or did it have to be a solo album i'm in the opinion it had to be a solo album greg what do you think it had to have been a solo album. It it wouldn't have worked with the band. It would have been too different. It would have been um, a little bit more rock based, and I don't think that would have worked for the majority of the album or the concept overall. Unfortunately, he had yeah. to go solo to do this right. And that's not to say that the original band was one dimensional. It's just no, this, far, far, this, far from it. Yeah, I agree. this is an far Alice Cooper, Bob Ezrin production. Yeah. Not an Alice Cooper band production. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it wouldn't have been part of their vision. Not that they aren't capable of doing great things. <laughs> yeah. uh, Greg, did I get to you? Or did you talk about this yet? Yeah, I yeah. talked about it at the, be the beginning, I think. Yeah, it's great. Right. I love it. It would definitely be the one I would recommend first. Right. Hey, man, you talked about it too, right? You're all done. done. Everybody's done with the Welcome to My Nightmare? Yes, move on if you're ready. I'm yes. ready. Now we're going to get to the Welcome to My Nightmare TV special. Guest star in the great Vincent Price. Oh, oh my! That's another thing I forgot to mention. Hearing Vincent Price's voice on the album was really cool too. He always scared the shit out of me, you know. With uh, you know, because I didn't hear this till '97, so I really didn't know he was on this album. Yeah. But uh, he with Thriller, you know, that scared right. the shit out of me. So hearing him on here just gave me those feelings again, being a kid and hearing that voice. This was first, not. Thriller. I know, I know, I know. It was first. <laughs> but I heard Thriller first, dumbass. So well, it's all, <laughs> well having, having Vincent Price here is also brings Greg's point up where Alice is kind of going back to the old school 50s, 60s, even right. 40s actors. So that also brings up his point. Right. It's deliberately over the top voiceover, you know. So yeah, definitely. I, I really enjoyed the campiness of him in this because it was very, very campy. And I just I I enjoy it when, when someone's gonna go ham, just 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 unleash it just go all out because it's hammy but it's 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 fun because he is such classic hollywood guy yeah it it works i just imagine alice and ezra just sitting back there just having a great time probably just talk vince you know just let him go and uh, i just imagine it was probably really cool to watch oh i'm sure as a matter of fact they they got on so well and had so much fun and would hang out i could see them going out to dinner in those tuxedos those white satin ones from the skeleton (laughs) (laughs) that that just seems like something they would do for a laugh i i I would it would be funny to have uh, the whole scene with the uh before the prior to the black widow during the tv special him like just Vincent Price is in his Dracula costume carrying freaking Alice Cooper by the chain neck. <laughs> oh, oh, slave boy. <laughs> so, Alice, you darling little boy. You darling little boy. Come here. I don't like spiders. I don't like witches. And I don't like you at all. Little boy, remember our bargain. Yeah. Spiders are such endearing little creatures. <laughs> very much like you. But before I show you my most renowned prizes, do tell me, are you pleased with your excursion so far? I mean, you're not afraid, are you? Well, why? So, So Wade, what did you... uh... What do you think of the TV special? Oh, my God. Uh, I think I saw this TV special when I was younger at some point, maybe like bits and pieces of it, and because I was watching this and I remembered a couple of things here and there. I definitely remember the the, uh, Vincent Price stuff, but... um, I did not expect it to be this, um, I don't know the word for it, uh, flamboyant, maybe? Homoerotic <laughs> is a good word. <laughs> a lot of dancing going on, you know, and, and I know it's 1975, but there's a lot of dancing and stuff going on. I'm not really into the dancing uh, movie type things, so that I'm not too crazy about. But, you know, seeing the, the songs put to like 
almost like a music video type thing. And each yeah. song has their own like little music video. That was kind of cool. But I don't know, these big creatures, like like I mentioned earlier, the, the one guy that comes out, he looks like the guy from uh, Eddie from Iron Maiden, you know, because now I know where Iron Maiden must have gotten but, his head from, you know. But he's got, got a leaf Mm-mm. belt on. He looks like yeah. Eddie is a wood. Right. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, just, then he strips that off into a freaking Speedo of dancing. <laughs> And pirouettes away, very elegant. <laughs> and chaches and pirouettes away, exactly. And That's what. Oh, sorry. And then but, another um, dancer comes out like I, a baked potato on top of her head or something, yeah. a weird snake looking thing. I don't know what the hell that was. Now, weird. my my dad had this on tape, and the first time I saw this, I was probably about eight years old, and I thought it was great. I thought it was a a, a, a movie. You know, it was awesome. All the costumes and everything at the time. So. I, I still like it to this day, but I can I recognize how campy it is. But I have I one thing. Awesome. I have I have one yeah. thing to ask. Did did the TV in the seventies have people that would pre-watch this stuff before putting it on air? Because between this and freaking Star Wars a holiday special, um, did was quality control not a thing that someone would have gone? It's not a thing now. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true. I mean, I, I, I mean, was talk. You're complaining about standards and practices in the seventies. It's shit today. It's true. It's just, it, it's just it, like some of the stuff. Like uh, the thing that, that drove me nuts was during "Every Woman Bleeds" the the constant repeat of the single the single pirouette from the woman just on repeat. Constant. Right. Yes. It's the same fucking pirouette. <laughs> oh, again, it's not long enough. Again. <laughs> again. But, but Lou, you were going to interrupt me when I said uh, I, Eddie from Iron Maiden. What were you going to say? I know that's not where they got it from. But... Okay, then I'm not going to bother. Sorry, go ahead. I I know that's definitely not where they got it from. It just looks like Eddie. Uh, But yeah, um, like you mentioned, the the woman bleeds thing. That's kind of crazy. At some point, I just drifted off. I I couldn't watch some of this. My wife sat down to watch it with me, and she lasted about three minutes. She's like, I can't take this no more. Hey, guys, I have to uh, go get my kids. I'm going to log back in. I'll message you, Wayne. Thank you for having me. uh, Manny, pleasure. Uh, I'll try to come back on. Thank you, guys. Cool. Hopefully, we're still here. right. See you in a little bit, like. But yeah, my wife, she lasted about three minutes and she was done. So. <laughs> Everyone to see the brilliance of cold methyl and refrigerator heaven. I, I I tried to get her to stay, but there was just no way. Uh, even I almost didn't want to finish this. <laughs> just cold Ethel, cold Ethel was kind of risque with her dancing, though. I mean, she was showing a lot of hip action in that bad boy. Yeah. Hey Wayne, at least your wife sat through three minutes of it. Mine didn't even want to watch it. Oh no, no, my, my <laughs> wife, my wife either, kicked but... out immediately. She was like, <laughs> "Nope." She, my wife didn't either. She didn't want to watch it at all, but she thought it was like a documentary. And then I put this on, she, and she's like, "This ain't a documentary." I'm like, "No, well, it could be context, but <laughs> I mean, contextual. I mean, uh, but if actually, first I put on the the uh, the concert." And then I'm watching. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? What's all these things dancing? I said, well, we got to watch the TV special first. And then maybe this will make sense. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think I made that comment. Maybe. I had not watched the TV special yet. That was all my comments from the concert. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> oh, like, my yeah, I probably what? should have mentioned to watch the TV special yeah. first. Yeah, you you know, fun. Greg, you know, this is these are things that, you know, it, it could have made you could have made things better if I actually knew the order of things to do. Because actually <laughs> on Amazon Music, Welcome to Welcome to My Nightmare is actually the first CD instead of Welcome to My Nightmare. So I actually listened to number two first. Oh my God. 
Oops. You poor child. I am a poor summer child. Damn it. You should tell by the covers, though. I mean, this one looks updated. (laughs) You know, that looks like him now. And this is 1975. I mean, him not knowing who it is, though, he just looked welcome to my nightmare. So I totally. All all I've heard is is freaking Alice Cooper's greatest hits. I haven't actually went into deep dive into his albums. I know, but it also tells you the date, too, on the bottom of the. Yeah, I was I was on (laughs) driving. All right. What do you want from me? And multitask? Oh, I can't God. look down and actually look at the at the small little pictures of that while I'm driving down Interstate 40 in Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, you haven't lived until you tried. Um, so, uh, Lou, what do you think about this TV special? <laughs> Poor James is getting hammered. <laughs> in more buddy. ways than one. Yeah, it's the same. What's egg egg flask he's got there? It's spiked eggnog season, boys. Oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, what did I think of it? Okay. So my perspective of this is uh, different. I absolutely loved it. I know that um, Alice himself is, he said that Groucho Marx was one of his best friends. And I loved the Marx Brothers film. James, you and I have a uh, similar simpatico for the Marx Brothers. Yes. And, you know, that includes their first five films for Paramount and their musical comedies for MGM. So seeing it kind of reminded me i'm like you know what this is what happens when alice cooper goes groucho Marx. you know like you think about it like the mgm stuff and i love that period what's wrong james i'm laughing i'm enjoying that i just i never thought about that no thanks okay (laughs) so i i really enjoyed it um it's cheesy as hell but i love pizza and (laughs) You know, so no big deal. I, I, I loved it. I gave it a ten out of ten. I, I, I'm not going to insult the guys. I mean, James, it's fine for you to say that it's homoerotic. Wayne, it's fine for you to say that your wife walked away from it after three minutes. It's fine for me to say my wife didn't even bother, and it was my birthday, and she didn't bother. I'm saying homoerotic in a thing. He's being very inclusive. It's not a negative thing. Yeah, but in the 70s, you know, the whole ambiguous, like, you know, androgynous type thing that was popular. I mean, David Bowie, I mean, there you go. The glam rock stuff. So, and a a gay man designed and choreographed the whole thing, too. So, and Vincent Price constantly calling him little boy, little boy. I thought it was. (laughs) Which, like, is, which is which is weird because yeah, Vincent Price was a very big LGBTQ uh, advocate and icon, uh, yeah, and icon. Even though, and uh, yeah, it's just funny though because the whole time I'm thinking Phil Silvers from uh, you know Mad 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 World. Oh, little boy, little boy. <laughs> all I all I can think of is oh, slave boy. <laughs> uh, George, I I love the black widow segment though the whole speech he gives that's just classic vincent price there that's a cool sequence oh it's so Mm -hmm. good but the one thing that did bother me though is watching this and now i got these images of these dancing people in it as i'm listening to the album it kind of ruins it for me a little bit oh come on though but with steven the the white suited guys with the alice mask on that's creepy as fuck the carousel it it It, it fits the scene perfectly matter of fact honestly the only thing i would change about it even though i know the songs are in the running order that they do the videos for Mm -hmm. but to keep um the the theme and the feel of it consistent 
I honestly would have switched Department of Youth to the end because, I mean, the way he's dressed, everything just kind of comes out of nowhere. Musically, it follows Cold Ethel because it's supposed to, but... I really think they should have made that the end video with the although, special. Although I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it, the, enjoyed Escape being and all that being the ending <laughs> of it. So, I mean, not 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 just because I love the misadventures of Shitman, you know, the Cyclops guy there. Um, I was gonna work that joke in again. Okay, that was too damn good. Um, I it, I, I kind of liked that you know, you could never you could never escape your, your nightmares. You have to you know and all that stuff. I, I enjoyed the whole ending scene being macabre and all that. Yeah, I'm amazed that uh, you know, considering where you live, uh, you don't mention that guy as a squatch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? Just because I just because I've worked extensively in Morgan County, where they shoot that show, doesn't mean anything. Okay. <laughs> uh, Greg, to uh, to answer your question about the whole uh, sequencing, I think that all had to do with like advertising. Having worked in television before, I could tell you that like the sequencing of segments and placement everything is it's all due to advertising and when they think people are going to be watching the most so that's where like you know it, it probably had a lot to do with that they're like you know okay we got the big advertisers here at this time so let's make the segment this shorter so people can see the commercials so that's that probably what it was i can see that, that makes different uh, a lot of sense there but uh greg i mean you must you must love this thing I do. I love it. it. <laughs> I know you. Love it's it. it's it's just a ton of fun. I I love almost everything about it. I mean the, the old school feel, the the cheesiness, the over the topness. It's hammy, but it is legitimately creepy. And I mean, as for as far as a music video for the album, I think it works great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially especially I mean, when, when 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 we reiterate, it is seventy five, and music videos haven't really. Right, they didn't hit the mainstream yet. I mean, yeah. you know, we're still a few years away from actual music videos being normal. Yes, it it might have won the Grammy, but Manny did make a good point about against what. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I mean, if you think about other holiday specials that aired, like you know, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, Halloween '78, Star Wars Holiday Special, Thanksgiving '78. I mean, really, this is like light years beyond better than those two. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, oh, the other thing was, too, and I asked you this, Greg, and I figured you would know, but the music is different, and also his vocals are different on, on all the songs. That... No. Yeah, they're, they're different. If in you, the TV special? In, where, the, uh... in, the, in the TV special, of course. Yeah, we're talking about TV special. Uh, because in Devil's Food, like, um, you know, the part where they're like saying Devil's Food and then he's saying something on the album, it's very varied. On the TV special, you can hear everything that he's saying very clearly on there. We probably had to do it's, it's, it's probably purposely reworked for that to make it, um, <clears throat> you know, more audible and more prominent for mm-hmm. the way he's acting in the scene. Yeah. But I know I did notice, like even "Welcome to My Nightmare." I'm pretty much every single song sound, well, has something different about it. Stuff like "Welcome to My Nightmare" and "Years Ago" and "And Escape." It's extended out a little bit to you know work around the set pieces or the arrangements will be slightly different. Yeah. And I, I think it's to accommodate the length of the TV special and the story with it too. Yeah, I think I I, th- I agree with you on that because they they and, and the way they shot it too, they shot you could tell they shot most of the uh, most of it with the song in mind and then they extended yep. it out and that's where you get all those really noticeable repeat shots 
Because you get an escape a lot, him running up that freaking pyramid how many times? <laughs> did, did, that one, and then, um, oh, what is it, during the, the Awakening, when they do like a clip show of stuff from the special, that, like yeah. you were saying, that, that constant pirouette over and over and <laughs> over. It's on Every Woman Bleeds, too. So, yeah, it's, it's bad there, and it gets worse. They, dude, they, they flashed that scene during The Awakening more times than they flashed Sybil Danning's tits at the end of The Howling <laughs> 2, My Sister is a Werewolf, which is a grand total of 17, if anyone's curious, by the way. Thank but, you, Mr. Skin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go watch that now just so I can see Sybil Danning topless. It's not nice. <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing, too, was uh, you could tell this was, was way before they figured out how to do like split screen. Because when Alice is sleeping in the bed, and then when he's sitting next to Alice, it's just like a mannequin with hair on it. If you look real closely when he during the introduction when he's talking to Vincent Price as if he was a child and he's right. telling him his adult body's sleeping over there. Mm. That is the cold ethyl doll that they used during the concert with Alice's eye makeup painted on its face. Yeah, I was wondering what the fuck with that was. I was like, is that a fucking, that's a doll with his eye makeup? What the, the fuck is, is this? You, you can see the hair of the cold ethyl doll underneath the wig. It looks like they just drew the makeup on real fast, slapped a wig on it, and threw it in. There you go, boys. I want to know how long this took to shoot because it couldn't have taken that long. I don't know how long it took to shoot, but this is all actually very um, <clears throat> tight and choreographed well and to the point time-wise. Like, um, they really rehearsed the shit out of this before they... Well, th again, this is the original TV special, so some of it may be a little bit more off the cuff, they, but I know... They by rehearsed the, time, the shit out of it, but but I mean, I mean, when they actually got on camera, they it must have been really quickly done, because oh. some of the stuff, I'm like, they left that in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a pretty interesting TV special, I will say that. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's all on YouTube. Just look up the TV. Uh, Alice Cooper, welcome to my night. And Shout Factory has put out yeah. a special edition now on Blu-ray and DVD of the Welcome to My Nightmare concert, which includes the original TV special on the bonus disc with remastered video and audio. Yeah, because the YouTube one kind of sucks. It's all pixelated and everything. It's an old VHS rip. You can tell. It's yeah. a Russian guy. I mean, we, we're just happy it's got, it went to the motherland like that, okay? <laughs> I actually remember seeing He's got a beat. hamster on a wheel powering a mid-70s Betamax. <laughs> just so all right, all right, all right Gudgy, go ahead. Run. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make how do you make this run on vodka? <laughs> no, you know, pass out. Get up, like get up. The youth on a loop. <laughs> I, I why, remember. why are they sending these these kids to the department there? That's they are too young. <laughs> what are you saying? Luke? I was gonna say I actually remember seeing this on VHS um, at like Nobody Beats the Wiz back in the day, mm. and it was in the big box. So. Yep. When it was in the big box, you knew that this was your atypical, you know, form of entertainment. And God damn, is it 
but I still love it. <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to explain this to the kid who grew up in Nevada and Tennessee. That I I, I don't I don't understand this whiz. So and- nobody beats the whiz. Ten great superstores with the opening of its newest store at 12 West 45th Street. Nobody beats the Wiz on this sharp VHS VCR unbeatable at $269. On a Gold Star 19-inch color TV, unbelievable at $188. Or this Sony stereo cassette Super Walkman, unmatched at $69. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Big box VHSs were like basically no. like your um cheaper or low budget or B-movie type stuff. And you know, like it didn't get like the you remember what a VHS tape looks like, right? Oh, of course, yeah, I had VHS, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't the slide through; it was like the big box. So you know, oh, yeah. it was it oh. was meant to enhance the look of like the lower budget B movie type stuff. This, you know, used as as a marketing sell point. It, it was designed, yeah, in um, <clears throat> to make it more visible in rental shops because a lot of the movies were low budget or some had been released theatrically and had been flops. So it's basically a form of advertising to get you to rent the movie more so they can make some more of their money back. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah, yeah. I was, you could have found them next that, to your so. trauma films and next to your Italian horror films. Ah, so that's why you know about it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> well, yeah. For, so like for me, we didn't have a lot of that because we just had we, we barely we didn't even have a blockbuster till later in about in northern Nevada. It was all mom and pop shops. So. Uh, the, the Wiz was yeah, awesome. Did. I love the Wiz. I miss it. I'm, I miss my old VHS mom and pop shop. Those those are great. There is still yeah. one in some remote parts of Tennessee. They mm-hmm. rent movies. It's the freaking weirdest thing ever. All right, we're moving. That's Let's cool. go. I miss that <laughs> shit. Uh, welcome to my nightmare. The concert, 1976 concert, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, this I accidentally watched this first, and and it starts out looking like this is going to be like a, a movie type thing going on. And I thought, all right, this is going to be kind of cool. Nice right? neon tombstone. Yeah. Yep. Smashes that. Yes. Thing. My wife was still interested because she watched this a little bit with me, and then all of a sudden the concert came on. She she left. <laughs> she's like done yeah done with all the people and, and eddie comes back out again in this concert and uh no no, no. this was an actual proper eddie because this one actually had like two heads and everything and yeah, all that yeah, yeah. yeah so he was there but um they played you know what the just as a whole in this whole thing the music i did not like how they played it i mean this was a whole totally different band too right from the nope, album exactly the same, same band, band? This was Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner and oh, I forgot the bassist name. Last, what was it again? Prakash John. That's it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Who apparently still plays in Canada with his sons. Yep. And um, oh man, I something winter is the drummer's name. I I forget now. That's in the uh, thing. But I just did not like how they played the album. Uh, you know, the, the songs from the album, Welcome to My Nightmare, sounded completely different. A lot of the songs didn't even sound like the song they were supposed to be singing. Alice Cooper just sounded like he was singing over whatever the hell they were playing. Well, time. and <laughs> I don't know. At well, some point, they made no, a sound. It sounded like the song. It just, I don't know. So I some, like of, some of the transition pieces, like at the end of Billion Dollar Babies, to extend it out to fit the stage show and everything. Yeah. Um, even though it has changed a little bit more, more of a, uh, a funk style. Yeah. 
sometimes with the the synthesizer which isn't there on some of these studio oh tracks God. it almost comes off a little disco-y with some of the flourishes the guy does but mm-hmm. um there's in the, a lot of the medley connection pieces are just old alice cooper band songs right right parts of them like billion dollar babies that when that flows into the next song there's parts of like halo of flies um Oh, I think about a Dwight Fry and then part of Didn't We Meet from the next album at the Alice Cooper show shows up somewhere as a segue to. Yeah. And um, when we were first talking about this, I had said I wasn't nuts about it at first. I, I had to watch it and listen to it twice again. But um, I don't mind it as much. It flows real well with what they were trying to do and fits the show. I prefer the album versions, but I don't think it sounds bad. Yeah, no, they they played good, but it's just when you when you want to hear like him play the songs from that album, I'd rather hear them played closer to the album than what they did with this. Especially like the drums were just doing completely the opposite of what the album was doing. It was almost faster, and even you know extra beats and stuff in there. I just I didn't like that, and even the bass bass was like all over the place and just playing notes that weren't in the like the actual songs. It was just weird. And then the freaking guy that was playing the keyboard, the, the Moog keyboard or whatever the hell he was doing, he was pissing me off at, at some point because he was just making all these weird scratchy sounds. I'm like, all right, enough. Stop. <laughs> you know, it's just right. too much. <laughs> the keyboardist was Joseph Shirowski, synthesizer, keyboards, clavinet, and Fender Rhodes. And the drummer, Greg, was Penty Whitey, Penty Whitey Glenn. That's right. Way. Well, I was close. Whitey Winter, you know. <laughs> David Winters was the director and producer of the uh, concert. But, yes. Uh, uh, James, what what did you think of this concert? I, um, I think I think actually my my reaction to, uh, my first reaction to this is actually the uh, is pretty proper here. Let me. Uh, <laughs> what the hell am I watching? <laughs> Uh, yeah, what the fuck am I watching? Is exactly my answer to this. <laughs> yeah, it, it is because like I didn't, I, I, I. Once again, I was watching this out of order and just I pulled this up and I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. You know, not like not like in a bad way, but like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and actually, yeah, because when you had mentioned the homoerotic thing and i said no it's not that blatant thinking you were talking about the tv special i had forgotten during the concert during the some folks dance with the skeletons they're putting the batons between their legs and jerking each other off (laughs) i see i see yeah about that i'm not you know i'm not i'm not one of those people who just i'm not going to just say that just to say it's like no when i'm going i'm like yo this is this is pretty homoerotic, guys. I mean, this is pretty gay. I don't mean by a little gay. I mean by a lot gay. I mean, I mean, the only thing that's missing is a drag queen busting out of there and, you know, making some jokes. Quite disappointed that one didn't. I am kind of disappointed. You know, I think, I think that would have been really good for a Dolly Parton drag queen to just jump out of there in the middle of the, middle of the bit. You know? oh, she could have been Hello, a Dolly. She could have exactly. been a and drop that show. line. Wouldn't that have been great? Oh, it would have yeah. been ace, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I also called this a cringe factory, and I didn't mean it in like a bad way. I mean, they were going for campy and cringy to begin with, so I was actually paying them a kind of a compliment of that they went full blast with this. They did not just like go, you know, 
maybe we shouldn't do it this way. You know, maybe this is a little bit too much. No, they just fucking just put the freaking pedal down and just went, we're going to do this. We're going all the way, baby. Oh, God. And they did that. <laughs> and they did. They, did, they succeeded. Mission successful. They did. Uh, Lou, what did you think about this? See, my my um my opinion is different because I saw Alice Cooper in concert before I saw this. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him open up for uh, Heaven and Hell, so he only did about mm-hmm. an hour's show. But I got to see Alice Cooper, you know, on stage, and he was amazing. Probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing this. I wasn't disappointed. Like I was really happy to see this moment of in, in time um, captured. It was cool to see how people in the UK responded to, you know, what, you know, to, to Alice in general and what they thought of him. It, you know, it was, it was cool and refreshing for me to see that. But um, do I see myself watching the concert again? Um, no, but um, <laughs> I didn't hate it. Um it was just, um, you know, it was a moment in time. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say, you know, I've seen it, move on. But, uh, you know, the band was great. I mean, I thought that um, it was it was really cool to uh, hear Wagner and Hunter uh, play against each other. You know, I mean, obviously they're not uh, Michael Bruce and, and Glenn Buxton, but am I pronouncing his last name right? Because I think Manny was pronouncing it differently. Is it Glenn Buxton, Greg? I think it's Buxton. I can only say it the same way you are, so I'm gonna go that's, with you. Yeah, that's the way I've been pronouncing it. So yeah. you know, it, it was it was just cool to hear a, a different guitar team, and and Alice is known for great guitar teams. So you know, for me as a guitarist, it was great to see the both of them and both do their thing. You know, both very and, underrated, multi talented guitarists. So oh definitely and steve hunter does some really cool stuff here like um i I had actually talked with wayne before where i had mentioned that i wasn't really the biggest fan of this era of his live career for example the 77 live album the alice cooper show i actually don't like at all i don't like the way the band changed up the songs he's way drunker than he is in this particular video and Mm -hmm. he just sounds so lethargic on that but it's hard to explain how they change the sound and the arrangements it 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 works here i think because they rehearsed it so much and thought it out so much more not that madhouse rocks tour from from the inside wasn't a big production but um this sounds like Alice Cooper. A lot of that stuff so much wouldn't. They, there'd be things added in on the drums like disco beats, and it would it would just be off. But they're real on in this concert, and I really enjoy how they play here and enjoy the performance. Yeah, it seemed like the performances after this, it seemed like everything was, his performances were more medleys than like full songs. And uh, I can't stand Every- it when bands do that. Um, although Everything I will say, has a much looser feel, yeah. Although I will say that visually, the performance of "Welcome to My Nightmare" from I think it was '78 or '79 that was pretty enjoyable because that was actually the first live footage of Alice I've ever seen, so it kind of sticks in my memory. 
Yeah, the Madhouse Rocks tour for, uh, for from the inside. The the stage set is awesome. The whole thing looks really cool, and they do that. That's the um, concert I'm talking about. That uh, the the video you're talking about is from. But um, just you're right. It's medleys because it's parts of other songs, and they run them in together. It works here with the segues how they do it because it works in the context of it, but. I don't like what they would do later on because they shorten songs or they do that. And it just uh, had a loose feel to it, but it wasn't good improv. Kind of. <laughs> I can agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was a lot of um, like jam sessions on this too. I thought like too much. I, I forgot where it was. In, in between. That, the, I'll tell you where that was. That was the cocaine speaking. <laughs> No, gee, uh, Devil's Food into Black Widow, and then there's no. There was one before big... that, though. I think there was one before that. It was just there was doing one song, and then it went off into like this whole other thing, and then after that, I think it was the melody medley. I don't know. I, I don't remember. But you're it was talking that... about the end of Billion Dollar Babies, possibly. Yeah, that's where I was talking about where they do a couple riffs, a halo of flies, and then there's parts of another couple songs in there, and it, it, it ends with yeah. part of Didn't We Meet from the next album that hadn't been released yet. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like how it ties together, but honestly, the second time I watched this, when I watched this this week, it threw me off because mm-hmm. I know those other songs, and yeah. it was just like, wait, what? What the hell are they doing? But, All right. Yeah, and then they did it again at the end of the at the end of the show too. Like they did a whole jam thing at the end. So it was like enough with this, you know. All all I could think of is is that um from what I've heard from firsthand experiences from my in-laws, uh the crowd in there is always enjoying it because they are severely um what's the best way to put it, enhanced <laughs> during the concert. Yeah. You mean they're high as fuck? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> my mother-in-law allegedly allegedly couldn't uh didn't know which way was freaking up driving back to their house after you know to go to take care of them go back to or my and she got to the house like she didn't even recognize my my wife my now wife (laughs) (laughs) it was that she was that gone dude so for so from what i heard it's a wonderful time going to go see them very interesting (laughs) well uh my first time seeing alice cooper was actually for this album welcome to Number two. Wow. Oh boy. Segue time. Yeah. Um, I I was very excited when they announced this album coming out because you know I loved the first Welcome to My Nightmare, but every time every time a band goes and tries to do a part two of an album that wasn't really meant to have a part two, it kind of sucks. And unfortunately, with this one, yeah, it kind of sucks. Um there's a couple good songs. I mean, I, I, I made a view is okay, but it's it's just like a slow opener song. I like caffeine. And then after I that, I like caffeine. Yeah, after that, this album pretty much just takes a shit for me. Uh, Runaway Train was okay, but I hate those trainy type songs. I mean, we talked about when the, the Blue Oyster Cult, the new one came out, and they had like a train song on that one too, and I didn't like it. And this reminds me of that song. song. But See, the, I actually like that one because I thought Vince Gill really ripped it up on the guitar solo. So isn't the isn't the original band on that song? Yeah, but Vince Gill's doing the guitar solo. Okay, yeah. He does yes. two guitar solos on it. Say what you will, he's a really good guitar player. Yeah. No, well, no, no I, I'm fine with that. 
Glenn was the primary soloist. Yeah. I mean, we're, I mean, I, I, I thought Last Man on Earth was a really fun song. Yeah, I no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, fine. Just don't, yeah, no, no, just kick right out. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But I was interested because also too, because like I just mentioned too, uh, a lot of the original members from the, the original Alice Cooper band were supposed to be on this album. I thought it was supposed to be actually all of the living all, members. Right. And I thought it was supposed to be on all the songs. And then just to find out it's on like one or two songs and then and then one bonus track or whatever, which I think yeah. is probably the best song on the whole thing. But uh, I don't have it on this version, although I do have it signed by Alice Cooper, by the way. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I'll bite your face off. I think that was the first single off of this. Yes, it was. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, when I heard that, I wasn't too happy. <laughs> you know, I, I knew this wasn't going to go good. But the song that I really like, I think it's my favorite. And all of you hate it because we all talked about it in the messenger early. Disco Bloodbath Boogie Fever. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, you know, those videos where, you know, they have the people that are really into church rapping. Yeah. <laughs> I caught a lot of those vibes. When he well, was, uh... I, I caught the vibes from that. But what it also made me think of, because some of what is being wrapped is so in so inane it also made me think of june's barbecue and foot massage why's the dinosaur here who knows <laughs> oh my god but yeah it's 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 a, a disco song or whatever, and it's got him singing like rapped over it. And, oh no, uh, he's not singing a damn he's thing. Not that, singing that, he's not singing. You, you know what? There's no about. singing in that motherfucker. Uh, like Alice cool. Cooper went first. You know, Streetwalker come up to me, mind my own business. He wants me up. <laughs> he looks me down. What be this? What be that? That's exactly where. <laughs> Why I you gotta look back there? <laughs> it's his all hell's breaking loose. Uh. But it reminds me of something like off the Muppet, like a, a Muppet movie or something like that. So I like think especially that's when like, oh, Jim Henson would have watch. a little bit more quality control than that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's cool. And then it gets like heavy at the end, too. So I I like that. I don't know. It's a good song. It's a weird, weird song. And I got a lot of what the fuck are we listening to at work? Because <laughs> I listened to this album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm put it to you this way. In the right mood, I can still enjoy the uh, Vanilla Ice Ninja rap from the end. Oh, my God. Uh, come on. Too. That's not better this than this. song, not so much. Oh, come on. That's no, 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 no. Can, can you can you watch? Can you listen to the soundtrack of Cool as Ice? No. I <laughs> can't. <laughs> James. I don't want to. That, that's asking for a while. About that movie, <laughs> thanks for ruining my night. <laughs> and then this album just gets even worse again. Ghouls Gone Wild is like a stupid surf song. Like I, I don't get it. I actually, I actually enjoyed really that like song. Right? Yeah, like, so that did song I. Funny. Oh, God. That was a guilty pleasure one. That was like I was like, oh god, I enjoyed the, the cheesy freaking older songs. I hate I'm with James on doing. that one. Yeah. Uh, the ballad, yeah, like the ballad was ago. okay. Something to remember me by was all right. Um, Man. When uh, Hell Comes Home, I don't even remember what the hell that one sounds like. I think I just drowned off by that time that came on. What Baby Wants is fucking terrible. It's got the Kesha. Yeah, yeah that, that was terrible. Uh, go brush your teeth with Jack Daniels. <laughs> don't ever, don't ever disrespect here. Jack like that. I, I'm, uh, I'm just quoting her lyric. <laughs> I know you are. And then they ended with the, the underture 
which was cool. I, I, I wish the album was more like that Undertaker, you know, it had more orchestral things going on and made more sense. This album to me was just all over, more all over the place than the original. Um, yeah, they were trying too hard, right. and it comes off very flat. And that's my biggest problem with it. Most of it's boring as hell. In the sense of how it sounds, they kind of succeeded at what they were trying to do, but <clears throat> it sounds like them trying to do that. It doesn't sound like they accomplished capturing this 70s sound and bringing it back. Right. The tracks I like the best are the ones with the original band members, and even one of those is kind of flat. Yeah. The surf song is probably the funnest one on here. <laughs> oh, three against one, Wayne. Yep, I'm you lose. But yeah, I, it's it's just a shame, you know, because the album cover is really cool. <laughs> you know, even the back is really cool, and the idea of going I think back they to that was gone, good. I think they should have gone about the writing process and the idea behind it a little bit more naturally, so rather than trying to force themselves to write a certain way. I think they should have just said. You know, take the vibes of this and let's see what we come up with now. I yeah. think they pigeonholed themselves and it just ended up falling flat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Lou, want to add anything else? Some classics should just be left alone. That's all I can say. Yeah, pretty much. What about you, James? Uh, this album is a lot like downtown Nashville now than it was 10 years ago. It's very corporate. It's very boring. And no, no, actually, um, it, it reeked of Spaceballs to the search for more money. It really reeked <laughs> of we're trying to make money here, not trying to make a great album. We're trying to put songs out there. Some of them are really good. Like I said, I like Last Man on Earth and I like uh, Ghouls Gone Wild. Some of those other songs should have never seen the light of day. They really shouldn't have never been made. <laughs> the 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 Kesha thing is a musical abortion. I no, uh, the, you, that that song sounds like it was written so they could make ringtones out of it, just in the whole way it's designed. Well, you know that makes sense of it being in 2011. Yeah, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. It was, a, it was probably a Vine song. Who knows. Yeah, I think Kesha was actually at like her biggest point of popularity at, at come 2011. Yeah. So, it's you know, now, right? I could see them having her on as like a cash cow, but uh, no cash. <laughs> nah. no, no. Uh, Greg, you want to add anything else? Nope, not really. <laughs> yeah, there, there is no Although, much. you know, I love Alice Cooper and this honestly was probably my biggest disappointment going through his records like Lace and Whiskey's weird it's all over the place from the inside's weird goes to hell is weird um, trash most of it isn't exactly my favorite but at least all that shit was honest yeah right yeah. even the early 80s period was honest I mean I yeah. I do hold the torch yeah. for that era because it was it was just honestly also, on a lot of cocaine yeah but I, <laughs> on, exactly. on cocaine but I love the music me too. I think that's a lot of his best stuff right there. Yeah, but yeah, th this is just for it's 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 like that fucking ballad I can't stand off a of trash from '89, the the Bon Jovi pen one. Only my <laughs> heart. Of nails. It, it clearly nails. done for the music video and the money. Yeah, 
Well, if you think no, about it, better than Hills was great, especially during the chorus. Ow, 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 ow. But you know, Better Than Nails <laughs> is basically a remake of You Give Love a Bad Name. I mean, it's the exact same like think, flow in the, the chorus music. You're thinking of the wrong song. No, I'm thinking Better Nails. You're thinking of the ballad that Greg's talking about. But I can't think of what the hell's the name of that ballad. No, I'm not thinking of the ballad. I'm thinking of Better Nails. I no. forgot there was a ballad on Trash. There is a ballad. And Dude, I know there's like three. About. I know what you're talking about. Well, let's get past those. <laughs> I know what you're talking about because it came on at work one day and people started singing the Bon Jovi song. I said, this is not Bon Jovi. Yeah. What the hell's the name? What, what was going on with 80s like metal artists and making ballads? I mean, his name is Desmond Child. That's all you need to know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, he, uh, so, he's, he, so he's the blame for damn Yankees? Well, no, yes. that's... Desmond Child wrote uh, High Enough? No, he, he didn't, but that was clearly based off of his ideas and what he formatted in the scene. Well, I guess you could say the two people that are solely responsible for the direction that 80s metal went, one would have to be Desmond Child, the other would have to be Mutt Lang. You know, if you think about it. Yeah. Except I could listen to uh, Pyromania and Hysteria. <laughs> it's hard to listen to some of the... Uh... Again, I mean, I love Animalize, but Burn, Bitch, Burn? I mean, come on. I want to put my log in your fireplace? Ugh. I hate that song. I can't think of oh, that. I didn't, I didn't know you were so close to that though. album. I don't really like. It's just... <sighs> All right, well... That's Alice. Oh, wait, wait, wait to end the show on such a high note there, Wayne. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But hey, <laughs> uh, we do have um, a Halloween playlist. Uh, we're not going to go over the songs because, first of all, this, this show's went pretty long already. And um, we kind of didn't all get the songs on <laughs> ready for the list. And, anyway. and also, I haven't I haven't finished my list yet. Yes, I know. Yeah. Thank you. I sent mine before we went on air. All right. I will add those. So check the descriptions under the bottom of this video and you can check. I'll have all the playlists. There's four of them. Just just in time for the Halloween season. So on Sunday on Halloween, uh, you can listen to all of our songs that we've picked. And uh, it's been fun. It's, it's been a very good uh, month and a very good month of shows that we've done here. I've had a lot of fun reviewing movies, which we really never did before. That was a lot of fun with the uh, Demons and Demons 2. <clears throat> Demons 2. Demoni. <clears throat> and then the uh, Trick or Treat movie. That was really fun. It. And even the ghost show, unfortunately, you missed that last week, uh, Greg. But that was a lot of fun. <laughs> but did he? But did he? Did really he really feel best? Yes. <laughs> eh, Opus Eponymous is okay, but um, yeah, not really. Yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> so, so, so for too so upset. For the, for, I, 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 I'm upset. I missed it because I actually took the time to listen to all of that shit. Oh my god! That's right. well, do you have anything to say about anything besides Opus? <laughs> I'm not grabbing out my notebook right now. I'm tired. This has gone on longer. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pull a Matt Graining and do my Halloween comments on Ghost after the 1st of November. Uh, yeah, sounds good to me. But, uh, I had a lot of fun talking about these two albums and those TV specials and this concert and everything. And I also had a lot of fun talking to Manny. And unfortunately, he didn't get to come back. Uh, but hopefully he comes back again because uh, he's very knowledgeable. Yes, he's extremely knowledgeable about all. Holy yeah. smokes. I think I'm going to just quit the show and I'll just give it to him because, yeah, <laughs> I just, I, I'm not like he is. But that was very, a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully he comes back and does something else with us because uh, I would like him to do that. So I guess that's it for today's show. Lou, what do you got going on? I know you just uploaded a new episode. 
Yes, finally got part one of my interview with Lorelai Shellestop. And again, for anyone who doesn't know, speaking oh, of- wait, speak of the devil, it's connecting. <laughs> you can't do that now, Lou. You can't end this plug. I'll plug later. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you guys are still on. Thank still you. On. We're actually about to leave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, well, I got one foot out. <laughs> But, well, uh, thank you guys for having me, by the way. So I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and, and doing this with us. And hopefully, maybe you'll come on again. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, actually, quickly, though, but, but before we leave, what, were, what was your thoughts on the yeah, Welcome okay. to My Nightmare CD the, the album? Uh, I like it, but I don't think the concept was very clear. I think it suffered from the lack of Dick Wagner, who, of course, has passed away. I think it was a little, I liked it again. I think that I think it was um, what's the word I'm looking for. I don't think it's as well thought thought out as the original album. I guess you know, in my opinion. So good album, but I don't think it works as a concept, at least in my opinion. Yeah, that's that was kind of the consensus for me. That was kind of the consensus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and 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 less and less flattering terms. It was the consensus. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. What, what about the TV special? Because we did talk about that while you were gone too. Uh, the TV special is definitely a sign of the times. It's very cheesy. It's Alice trying to invade mainstream America and sort of succeeding, but I think it took the Muppets for him really to conquer mainstream America. Yeah, I think so too. We, we should have watched that too. It would have been funny. We need to do We Okay, so there's a bunch of, of Muppet seasonal things we need to watch. Okay? We should. You know what? Maybe Maybe January. We have like Muppets month. <laughs> fuck yeah, Emin Hell, yeah. Well, we will we would have to discuss Emmett otter's uh jug band no that's that's happening time Emmett otter's christmas jug band's happening because the i'm sorry the river the river bottom nightmare band that is like perfect alice cooper-esque stuff so that is so definitely playing the drums i mean come on yeah gonzo trying to sell this uh alice trying to sell gonzo's soul to the devil i mean Perfect. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think we're really selling this one short here. Yeah, I think we are. We'll have to Dude, Muppets or metal? Episode. Come on, animal. Seriously, I think Muppets is actually a better than Welcome to My Nightmare special. So, oh, definitely. Yeah, way better. Um. So as I was saying, oh, uh, saying. so the yeah, I, I recently uploaded uh, part one of my interview with Laura Shellis and as many of you Def Leppard fans may know, she was engaged to Steve Clark the late founding member uh, me and my uh my friend denise escobar from the avg podcast we had a wonderful time hanging out with her i just uploaded um part two so now i'm going through the you know planning stages to uh premiere it and uh once it premieres on music is life podcast youtube channel then i'll upload it to ratsai review um the interview with helen cullen phil's wife went perfect um Spoiler alert, Phil does make a vocal cameo in the episode. <laughs> Not a physical cameo because his son Jackson unfortunately sprayed uh, lemon juice all over him. <laughs> He's a three-year-old kid, but, you know, Phil was, like, so nice, like, speaking off camera, except it sounded like this. Bah, 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 bah. So I thought I was talking to a Peanuts adult, but still, it was cool. Um, but, yeah, Lorelai and, and Helen were wonderful, so I can't wait to uh, share those episodes with everyone. Very cool. Can't wait to see them. Uh, James, you got anything going on? Some wrestling stuff? Um, not not doing anything. We don't have a time yet, but uh, big news. 
uh, Ring of Honor today decided to shut down operations. Yeah. Oh, really? Immediately. Um, so they are now out of the game. Um, GCW just had their Bloodsport pay-per-view, which we'll be reviewing whenever we get back to scheduling recordings because that happened and I'm mad at Filthy Tom Lawler. And if you haven't watched the pay-per-view, you wouldn't know why. But uh, I actually have news. I'm actually going to go to a concert in next year. I'm actually going to finally get to go to a live music concert. And I'm going to go see Tool in Louisville, Kentucky. So I'm excited to go see that. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, Seeing Tool in February. So very cool. So Nice. Uh, and, and, and wrestling related, too. They, there was a lot of releases today, I heard. Um, I, have not, I have not seen the releases yet. So right. I, can't, re- I can't comment on that. Yeah. There is a big um, wrestling event happening uh, at uh, the Trenton Minor League uh, Baseball Stadium on Halloween. Um, the returning Atsushi Onita from FMW is wrestling uh, Matt Tremont, the owner of H2O, coming out of retirement. Retirement. And um, in the first ever no rope barbed wire electrified ring death match. James, your opinion? Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> all right. And just go to ratsalreview.com. Check out all of our shows on there and, and check out the podcast too. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. A lot more shows on there than what you just see here on YouTube. So, And hit that subscribe button and we will see you guys next week uh, with some more shows. Don't or forget to click the bell for notifications. Yes, click, the click bell. that button and click that bell. Hit subscribe. And again, thank you, Manny, for coming on the show. And thank you for coming back. Thank you. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. You have a good night. You good too. Night. You bye, too. bye, everybody. RatsOutReview.com. Bye.